Uh, Louisville is is has fires all over it. Um, yeah, they're gonna burn it fucking down. The plan the plan was, and um, I started watching. Um, Let's talk about it on the jack wagon train. Let's get started. Yeah, yeah, yeah this is good shit. We need to record. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have. Whatever, man. Watch your pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right, Landheads. We are back with another episode of the Talking Lead Podcast. And it's going to be a good one today. We're already wound up, ready to go. I've got uh, two dogs I'm getting ready to let off the chain here in just a minute. Uh, but before I do that, if you've not had an opportunity, make sure you go back to the last couple of episodes. If you've missed those, get caught up because they've been really good. We had the season finale of the Talking Lead AK Corner, which was absolutely probably my favorite so far. We talked about the markings on AK-47s, and we had James with Factory 47 join Brian and I. And uh, Brian is joining me today as well. Good to be uh, here again. He's back for this is your third in a row, dude. <laughs> Holy shit! You know you'll have to just start, you know, poking me away with the stick or something. I'm just gonna start calling you my partner, uh, <laughs> my co-host, uh, Brian Keeney with Occam Defense Solutions. Uh, he was also on the last AK Corner, and he was on the previous uh, our normal episode of Talking Lead with Jay from the League of Pirates, who is also on this episode. So, hey man, Jay, welcome in. Hey, man. It's always good to do a little porch sitting with you, man. Absolutely. So the, the feedback that I received from the episode that we did together, um, you know, back two episodes ago, I can't remember the episode number. I think it uh, 362, entitled... Do not be the evil you are seeking to overcome. We're gonna we're gonna kind of kind of pick up where we left off from that discussion and get a little a little deeper maybe. But uh, we're gonna talk about that in just a minute. The Fiocchi family has been producing high quality ammunition since 1876. In 2020, Fiocchi's launching a full line of premium products, everything from self and home defense to the long range categories. The Fiocchi Blue Guardian line will feature specially tuned products specifically for home and self-defense, featuring lead-free technology and the only NATO-certified zero-pollution primer in the world. Fiocchi's a proud sponsor of the Talking Lead Podcast and the Leadhead Brigade. Fiocchi trains, Fiocchi protects. But welcome in, guys. Thank you so much for joining me. And um, I, do have, I do have a complaint one complaint, just one, from from that episode, and we'll talk about it uh, while we do the Talking Lead Jack Wagon Train. So, Gunny, bring that train in. Hey, Ralph, Zipperpie, do or die, hold them high at 8th and I. It is time for the Talking Lead Jack Wagon of the Week, so brace yourself, baby. All right, so the train has stationed, and uh, as I was saying, we had uh, a complaint and we've got a nomination for the jack wagon train, and it it's none other than my co-host Brian. <laughs> Brian, you're you're nominated for the jack wagon train. Can you guess why? Let's see. <laughs> do, do you remember? No, but I'm sure I said all kinds of offensive stuff. I got a big mouth on me. 
yeah uh, what what i do so he didn't he didn't really nominate you for the jack wagon train but i thought i would because because it really deeply disturbed me and i'm mentally scarred from this but <laughs> what <that> now <laughs> the lemon party <laughs> oh, uh, you know totally deserved right yep 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 <laughs> you son of a bitch <laughs> but uh, chris brandon uh sent in uh, he said god i hate you <laughs> uh, and he had all kinds of emoji faces and emotions and things like that. But then, of course, he followed up with an LOL. Uh, well, that, but he really loved the the episode. So, um, Chris, thank you for uh, sending the email. And yeah, that that deeply disturbed me to this day. So, <laughs> Brian gets on the jack wagon train for that. Happy, proud, a proud member of it. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> So, uh, other jack wagons that we've got, I'm going, and we're going to move through this because we got a lot that we want to cover and we want to get into. Uh, just some things of note here. Uh, this is something I found, and this comes from taphats.com, which I'm not familiar with that site. But they've got a story that says, City Council removes Veterans Memorial so vo- voters turn on them. Uh, so basically what it boils down to is uh, they put this memorial up, uh, I guess is in front of their uh, munis- municipal building there, and uh, it was a silhouette of a soldier kneeling in front of um, a grave with a cross, uh, you know, of a fallen soldier. And uh, they had a complaint about the cross and the symbolism of, Christianity and religion and, you know, the separation of church and state was their argument, blah, blah, blah. Basically, the, the city council caved. They took the memorial down, uh, but when they did that, the overwhelming majority of the, the populace there um, didn't want that removed. And it turns out that there was only one complaint. There was one person, and they caved to this one person who threatened a lawsuit against them. And they removed it immediately without consulting with their constituents. Uh, and they've put, they've uh, paid hell since then. And I think several of the city council members have been removed <laughs> from uh, from their uh, seats, which they should have been, uh, and replaced. Uh, once the replacements are in, then the, the you know the public's going to vote again, and I would assume that they're going to get that memorial put back, but. Just uh, another example of uh, the temperature of our our officials, you know, the people that are supposed to be representing us, just caving to these uh, the minorities, the squeaky wheels. Yeah, that's a whole nother episode, but and we should have an episode on on the psychology of negative feedback, and um, we need to get way braver as a populace about standing up to bullies and. Um, you know, I've had it happen to me with another company where it was a product of theirs I was selling and I just got mobbed and um, did not understand what was going on. It's called brigading. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's a very big problem right now. And we all need to put on our big boy and big girl pants and soldier right through when people are screaming in our faces like that poor woman in the in the restaurant. I think it might have been D.C. who wouldn't raise her fist 
uh, and chant Black Lives Matter in acquiescence to the mob. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, that's a whole topic for for another time. But and that lady uh, definitely problem. is a hero, and she she gets a ride on the uh, Lead Head Brigade, Lead Force One. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you know, she's not exactly of our. Um, I wouldn't say she's a hundred percent on our team in that. No, she's not. No, she's not. But, but you know, but no. In some sense, I think. But she is because she was trying. She was being forced to do something she didn't want to do, and she didn't do it. Exactly. Like she had right. been BLM protests and yet stood up against the mob because it was wrong. So in that sense, I think it's even braver of her because she had an easy out and she yeah. didn't take. And that's the thing about our shows. We don't discriminate here. If we, you know, if we see somebody who's standing up for, you know, our our constitutional rights, whether they're, you know, left or right, liberal, atheist, whatever it may be, um, you know, what she did in that moment made her, you know, a hero. Heck yeah. So there you go. Very good. All right. Next one is... Um, and this comes from that same website, Tap Hats. I don't know. I, I must have fallen down a rabbit hole when I was looking up stuff, and uh, they had a couple of good ones here. Uh, there's this dude. He's a, a Think Progress editor and activist, uh, Zach geez. Ford. <laughs> and he just looks like a douche, but anyway. Uh, he attempted to stir up support for a deceased armed robber while subsequently criticizing the shooter. So uh, what happened was uh, this chick was standing at a bus stop in Chicago, and a 25, she's a 25-year-old woman. She was approached by a young man with a nefarious intention. He brandished a gun, ordering the woman to hand over her possessions. Surveillance cameras captured the brief encounter as it unfolded. Uh, video footage showed that the woman had just seconds to react. What her would-be robber didn't know was that she wasn't a defenseless as she appeared. The young woman happened to be a well-trained gun owner with a concealed carry permit. Just as Goins, this the dude that robbed her, thought he had his victim where he wanted her, she pulled out her, her own firearm, shot him in the neck, forcing her attacker to flee as she ran in the opposite direction. Dude was later tracked down by police and transported to a, a hospital where he died from his wounds. Not bad. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Right. Uh, fortunately, his victim sustained only a minor injury and was released without charges. However, not everyone was glad that the young lady had the means to protect herself. Uh, and this douchebag goes online, makes his, his posts here, you know, the social med. The kid was 19, exclamation. I just feel, this is his word, I just feel like we're being way too disposable with his life a gun death is a gun death and the fact she was able to protect herself in no way motivates me to change my belief that she should not have a gun in the first place of course of course they'd say that yes um of course they'd say that. and again this is one person's opinion and this has made you know headlines over this one guy's opinion Right, and because you, it fits because it fits it a greater fits agenda, their, and and, yeah. and builds and and attempts to you know continue to create a culture of victims, so it makes sense that they would say that because empowerment is bad unless it's 
empowerment, rest in power, and all that other hokey communist bullshit. Yeah, it goes on. The punishment for armed robbery is not death, though, of course, I don't think he should have had a gun either. No. But if she had let him rob her, listen, listen, (laughs) but if she had let him rob her, even at gunpoint, both likely would have survived. He replied, That's right. it's, the praise That's right. for, it's the praise for her gun ownership that bothers me. <laughs> That's right. Because according to this new, not new, but new for now, ethos is that it's just property. And if you wait at least thir- three seconds while having these conversations with these people, you just have to wait. For them to say, what's the magic word? Privileged. Mm -hmm. She was privileged to have the stuff that this shitbag wanted to take because he's disenfranchised. And if they all had the equal amount of shit, he wouldn't have had had to assault her to take the stuff that she's privileged to own. That wasn't his. that's not fucking his. Yeah. Right. Because they don't believe in property rights unless it's property of the state. So it goes on. The man Ford is defending has a history of arrest, which include violence. In fact, he had allegedly attacked a police sergeant and an officer no. during a drug raid. Shocker. He was only out of jail for two months when he fatally shot while attempting to rob the, while he was fatally shot while attempting to rob the woman. Uh, It says, as such, Ford's weak rationale began to break down as social media users pointed out the hypocrisy and logical fallacy in his explanation. Within hours, Ford was compelled to issue an apology and explained his intent for the previous tweet, which he has since deleted. (laughs) Well, great. There you go. All right, that's awesome. Cool. Awesome. So, so his hmm. his uh, tribe didn't uh, agree with him, so he backtracked and uh, denounced his statements. That's right. So he can he can backpedal to remain edgy to his crowd, so that he can maintain viewership and hopefully continue to monetize in a capitalistic system that they are going all out to try to destroy. That makes perfect sense. Is it wrong that I just want to punch this guy just from looking at his picture? No, man. Violence is, is sometimes the answer is, to most questions. I just want to punch this guy. Just looking at him. I mean, I wouldn't have even read this story. I would have just seen this picture, and I was like, you know, I want to punch that dude. Uh, anyway. All right, so there's our jack wagons right there. I think we've got one more from uh, a listener, uh, and this is from Ed Burton. Good old lead head, Ed. Uh, and it says high school football players suspended from team over pro police, pro firefighter flags. Oh, are these the boys that ran out onto the field yes. with their flag? Yes. These are them. The, I heard they got scholarships. That's awesome. Uh, I hope, I hope so. Yeah. I heard that they got like, you know, something cool happened to them as a result of the backlash that they received. So, so, uh, yeah, basically I, it's, uh, they run out on the field, you know, how, Football teams ran out on the field before the game, and they were carrying an American flag, a police flag, and a firefighter flag um, mm. as they were running out on the field. 
Yeah, but that's so destructive. This is in Ohio. This is in Ohio. You give too. me feelings. You give me feelings of inadequacy. Tingling feelings. <laughs> <laughs> I have tingly feelings now, man. You got to take a shit and you need a punch in the mouth. Yeah, it says in their hearts, <laughs> they knew they were doing the right thing. Uh, and that's all that mattered. The boys had asked permission to carry flags honoring the police department and the fire department onto the field during, this is during September 11th, 9-11. No. Oh, okay. irony. <laughs> Football game at Little Miami High School. Uh, one of the players' fathers is a firefighter. Uh, and the others is a police officer. They wanted to honor first responders on the 19th anniversary of the Muslim terrorist murders there that happened uh, in New York and what was the other one in uh, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, Washington, right, and Washington. arguably other places at the same time. Exactly. Uh, so let's see, they wanted to honor first, what does it say here? Uh, but the school district refused to allow the boys to carry the flags and they were told there would be repercussions if they defended their, uh, defied their orders, defied their orders. Uh, the boys considered the cost and on Friday night they ran onto the field with their teammates carrying the thin blue line flag and the red line flag. On Monday they were suspended indefinitely from the football team. We can't have students who decide to do something anyway after they've been told that they shouldn't do it mm. really interesting so they decide to do something that was right in spite of being told to do something that was wrong and they got suspended for it um so you're telling me that since then they've been offered scholarships yeah i read that somewhere Sometimes standing for something that's right means you may stand alone. I'm proud of the son we have raised, a son that knows right from wrong. He knows the importance of honoring the men and women who gave the ultimate sacrifice at a time when he wasn't even born. She wrote, we will never forget. So the high school football players who take a knee and uh, denigrate the police are celebrated and saluted, but young men who honor the flag are ridiculed and punished. That's not right. Right. America, that's not right. There you go. No, that's not right. That's not right because, well, even if you have a shitty opinion, your shitty opinion should be weighed as equally as everyone else's good opinions. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, you know, we have that whole thing that used to happen up until about 23 years ago. So those boys are heroes. So they get a ride on talking lead, lead force one, and uh, we'll do an update on that. I want to see what happened after the fact. Um, so you're thinking they probably got uh, some scholarships and stuff? Yeah, I think that, that there's probably. <laughs> I'm sure uh, there's a lawsuit. I'm, I'm sure the parents have a lawsuit and are suing this. Oh, I'm counsel. sure that there's some variety of litigation that's you know that always ensues because you know that's kind of the. Kind of the way, but, you know, I don't know. I don't really know that much in, about this particular situation other than superficially, so I'm just going to... Well, since this came from Leadhead Ed, Ed, do me a follow-up on that, and uh, let's see what's happened to the boys since then. So, all right, that does it for the uh, Talking Lead Jack Wagon Train and Leadhead Brigade Heroes. Let's wrap that up. 
Keith likes everything about the great outdoors. He's a lot like us. Whether we're bow hunting in the backcountry or plinking in the backyard, we want to enjoy each experience to the fullest. Keltec's 22 caliber P17 is Heath's go-to pistol for a good time, on the range, on the trail, and anywhere in between. Weighing in at only 14 ounces with a full magazine, its compact size makes it easy to conceal or tuck away in a small pack, pocket, or space. It comes out of the box ready with a fiber optic front sight, a threaded barrel, a Picatinny rail, and a price point for any budget. With three 16-round magazines, it's ready for hours of pure, unadulterated enjoyment. It's easy, it's affordable, it's accurate, and it's a damn sweet marvel of plinking innovation. The Keltec P17. It's more bang for less buck. Let's get into our, our topic here, guys. So we had a, a pretty good cerebral discussion last episode. And, uh, you know, just all the, the bull crap and chaos that's ensuing in our country right now. You know, we've got the election coming up just, what, next month? Almost two months. Almost. Yeah, they got. Almost. I mean, you know, for, first week in November, we're in the you know tail end of September, so you yeah, know, we've got a minute. It's just not much. It's coming. It's going to be. It's going to go. It, it's going to be really fast too, especially after tonight. Yeah, like four or five more episodes of Talking Lead, and it's going to happen. <laughs> it's. We're gonna have. We're gonna have a new president. We're gonna have a new uh, ruling class, have, or we might have the same ruling have, class. We're gonna have the same president. That's our hopes, definitely. The, our discussion last week, uh, you know, we kind of talked about, you know, when the chaos is coming your way, some things that you can do to prepare, kind of what's led up to where we're at now. And we went uh, way back. I mean, you went back to the 1800s or something, didn't you there, Jay? Woodrow Wilson and the uh, beginning of American progressivism. I've got a oh, Woodrow Wilson. Maybe, yeah. Then yeah, Marx. Well, yeah, eighteen hundreds in general. We went we went back a good ways. <laughs> yeah, you, you kind of have to when you're dealing with all this commie fucking bullshit because you know it's actually been around for like a really long time, and it it pops its head up every now and then. The and the reason that it's different this time is because the ethos of America has changed. Where in the past we would say, hey, look. It's popping its head up. Let's go beat the dog shit out of it real quick. And then <laughs> it goes away and it pops up in another country and we have a little proxy action and we either we say to them, we like, hey, um, so you communists in, you know, in uh, Central America, um, do you want to help us with a thing? You do. All right, cool. We'll leave you alone. But if they're if they don't want to help us with a thing then we beat the dog shit out of them and keep them far enough uh, from our Southern border that, you know, they don't pop up in other places. But what's happening now mm -hmm. is that the American communist party, the Maoists, the Marxists, see like there's this shit only exists in fucking academia, right? Because the only place that it works is on paper, right? So, then you're talking about these other political, um, yeah, all of these various like you know Baskin Robbins, or... Baskin Robbins flavors of like, you know, is it you know is it communism, Isms. is it Marx, 
Is there Maoism? Is is it Stalinism? Is it Leninism? Is it Trotskyism? Is it you know? Is it any of these different varieties of the same bullshit sandwich? Yeah. <clears throat> so it's only now, after the '60s, that is the 1960s, that we're reaching peak saturation, and at the same time. We as Americans aren't looking at this like, hey, what the fuck? What are we going to do about this? We're looking at it as, hey, that might be valid because I love free shit and I don't want to fucking work. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's gotten it's gotten sold to a really soft fucking generation of pussies. And they're like, yeah, I'm cool with that. So now you have an insurgency that's trickled up through academia been reinforced by corporate America. Cause they don't give a fuck about America cause they can produce their products fucking anywhere and sell them, sell them to us. Cause they're just about or capitalism. They're Another just, ism. They're, they're about predatory capitalism, right? Mm-hmm. We're not just making a buck, but we're being uh, predatory about it. And I say we, because you know, inclusive, but it ain't fucking me. I'll tell you that. I'm not fucking predatory, but that's another story. So you have a high saturation of this ideology and there's there's not much that's saying from an establishment point of view, we're not letting you do that shit. So it's growing and it's festering and it's metastasizing. And if it grabs on and continues to live, it's almost impossible to remove it entirely because it's fucking cancer. This, this dovetails beautifully with sort of the first topic of the titler cycle or titler cycle. Marty said not to call it the titler cycle because <laughs> it was distracting. So I'm calling it the titler cycle here. I'm not sure which it is. You can easily find it on Wikipedia. And if you have the ability to pull this graphic up. It's um, it's spelled T-Y-T-L-E-R. So however you want to pronounce that. I'm going to go with titler. Okay. Because, because, well, I love titties. (laughs) Well, there you go. Like a lot. Okay. So are we good to cut into it? So so the, 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 the... Titler Titler cycle. Talk about this this Scottish economist, Brian. Every, I guarantee that everybody listening to this knows the Titler cycle. They just know it by a different description. And it's that hard times make hard men and women. Hard men and women make good times. Good times make soft men. Soft men make hard times. And uh, so that's a natural cycle of things. People are also well aware of the three generational cycle of business. You know, the first generation makes the wealth, the second generation holds onto it, but didn't raise their kids with the culture of what made the wealth. And then the kids, the third generation loses it. And uh, that that's shown in the data. Um, the people in the top 1%, very few of the top 1% stay there over their lifetimes. People come in and they exit because the American dream is a very real thing, despite what the left, you know, will spew at you that it's not true. Um, 
so, but it's also very hard, you know, speaking as a, a somewhat junior business owner, it is incredibly hard just to make a profit today. Just to keep, just to keep your life on and keep people paid is incredibly difficult. And so it, it takes real grit and showing up every day, even when it's really not fun. So anyway, the, this, uh, Scottish economist titler came up with a, a really beautiful, more, um, fleshed out version of this. And I think it beautifully describes why Marxism is taking hold now in the U S and, um, it's not for good reason. So I'm going to start in, in, in bondage. So people are under abject tyranny. People oppose these conditions. And it's, it's, it's Marxism, you know, that these Antifa groups are, they're not anarchist, which, you know, they're being mislabeled in the media as. And, and we'll very much get into that. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. The, the anarchism is, is, has nothing to do. Antifa, Black Bloc, all those guys have nothing to do with true anarchism. And um, so, uh, yeah, so from from bondage here, from these hard times, people gain faith and the search for unity and deep moral groundings. What do we agree on? They get courage through the this, this commonality of a, a shared vision. And then they can fight because they know what they're fighting for. That's another common thing with with these black block, you know, the dudes in black Antifa, whatever you want to call them. Mm -hmm. Black lives matter Antifa. Yeah. Yeah. They never, well, black lives matter actually kind of has a set of demands that are articulated kind of. Um, and, uh, the difference between them and the rest is that you'll never see a list of demands or goals. You know, that was a big problem with, um, Occupy Wall Street. They never figured out what they were actually protesting and what they wanted. (laughs) It's very easy to critique a system. It's very hard to actually improve one. And so these deconstructionists, as Ben Shapiro accurately describes them, they don't actually know what they want. They just know that they're bored, which I can get behind. I understand that. But tearing everything down is is not cool. So anyway, from, from courage comes the fight for freedom. And when everybody's pushing in the same direction, everybody's rowing in the same direction in the boat, you get where you want to go. Get a little courage. Yeah. Yeah. Little courage and, and, and figuring out what you're fighting for gets you to Liberty. You win. And with Liberty comes prosperity and freedom achieved. And of course, from Liberty, it's the U S is proven and a good work ethic, um, which according to black Lives Black Lives Matter and the Smithsonian is an element of whiteness and is like a horrible thing. But I personally don't hold with that at all. I don't think that that it's a it's patently racist to me that that working hard is an attribute of whiteness, because um, look around, there's a whole it doesn't matter what color you got people of all different colors and creeds working hard in this country. So well, in other I countries, re- too. And in other countries. Exactly. Like, yeah. So no matter where you are in the world, if you have liberty and you work hard, you get abundance. It's just a natural consequence of figuring out what works, paying attention and going for it. And if nobody's standing in your way, you you win. And so once you get this abundance, focus turns from liberty towards material things. It's all me and about my stuff, uh, about me and my stuff. That goes to selfishness. Mm-hmm. Selfishness brings entitlement and self-absorption. I hope this is starting to sound eerily familiar with selfishness and entitlement and self-absorption comes complacency. Hmm. Personal responsibility is lost. And I think that's kind of the fundamental thing is who's responsible for you right now. That's the question 
um, the one sort of central question, I think. From lack of personal responsibility comes apathy, and then freedom becomes centralized because nobody's looking. And uh, I think it's clear from the um, last episode that I don't have much respect for politicians. There are a couple good ones, but on the whole, you know, most of them start out as lawyers, and we, you know, and my dad was a lawyer. There's some good ones, but again, you know, what do you call ten thousand lawyers at the bottom of the ocean? A, a good, good start. start. Yeah. yeah. Um, so now, but, from but then from the from the, you know, the, the freedom is centralized, independence is controlled. What do you describe that? What is what is that? What are we saying there? Well, we're saying there's increased regulation. The government wants to keep you safe from yourself. I was a raw milk activist for a while when I was farming, and I went into the city council in my suit, and I looked respectable because I had, you know, I had a business card that looked official, and uh, got some time with with city government and county government, and who were kicking in the doors of these farmers. And the councilman looked at me like I was insane and said, are you kidding? We can't have raw milk here. We have to protect the public from themselves. Oh, my gosh. And so that is, is I think, the best single, you know, personal example I've had from that is, is that, you know, some panty waist asshole is trying to tell me whether I can, you know, what food I can put in my body. Right. But then and, you know, but that goes along with your cycle here with, you know, when you get complacent, you, you become apathetic and you, you're looking f- towards the government for these things, for these right. regulations to tell you what to do and what you can and can't do. And, and we get to in a country of 100 million or sorry, 300 million, 100 million people are on food stamps right now or some other form of governmental support. That is true dependence. There's a point of no return there where the government gains complete control. I think we're scarily close to that with the non, you know, the um, people teach, teaching the 1619 project in schools and making parents sign contracts and non-disclosure agreements that they will not listen while, they, while their kids are being propagandized to. And when you get there, you're pretty much into bondage, and that's where we started out. So there's a natural cycle here that the U.S. has done a fantastic job bucking. I don't want to say that we have to go to bondage, but we're already really creeping towards it here. And yeah, so we're heavily in the complacency and apathy uh, stages. Well, and I would, I would argue we're definitely into the dependence. If you look, I would say that half of the country anyway, you know, not not the kind of folks that listen to this show, but I would say that the people are that are voting for the Democrat side right now are asking for more. So I'd agree with you. Yeah. We're sort of hovering between complacency, apathy and dependence here and and looking, unfortunately, pretty close to bondage. Yeah, and that's got a lot to do with all the, you know, the immigration that they allow. Illegal, well, illegal immigration. Y- yeah, and, and, you know, there's a lot of, you know, I, I don't think Trump is a racist by any stretch, but I don't think he's done a good job at describing the the vast majority of illegal immigrants in this country. Um, there are some awful pieces of human debris that are making their way over the border. And so I'm not an open borders guy. I'm a very closed borders guy. Mm. But, you know, the the folks from other countries that I've run oh. into during my time in California, they worked harder than anybody. And when they left the job they were doing for me, they were working their second or third job to take care of their families. And so oh. there are certain people you know, in those immigrant communities that are the heart of America and what we stand for. And um, if we could trade those with some of the, 
over-entitled folks from, uh, well, I'll just say that uh, Ilan Omar, Reza Aslan, a whole bunch of people that just hate America, I have to ask why they're here. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, well, I think the answer is somewhat nefarious, but, you know, I think, uh, um, well, I'm, I'm talking it to death, but there's a lot of good people coming over the border and we should have a better legal path to accept them. And to make our country better, we need. Well, we've more got work. a we've got a great legal path for that if they would just enforce it and follow it. Right, I mean, which they worked, don't. It's worked, which they don't for centuries, you know or not mean? centuries, it's, but for decades. Well, it's it's worked actually almost since the you know founding of the of the country because right. you know if you if you came here, right, you came here for a reason with purpose, not with your hands out or needing medical assistance or seeking refugee status per se. Right. right, right. So, you know, um, now like you cannot justify in any, in any way why we need to be a fucking refugee center. Right. Especially when you're flying people legitimately across the planet to drop them in, uh, urban centers when you when when you have veterans that are homeless you can go fuck yourself how about that (laughs) well and our own you know the ghettos that were made by democrats to warehouse black people on uh, purpose on purpose purpose in the height of racism if you look a lot of folks because the media is so effective at saying it um, don't know the origins of some of the most racist laws against black folks in this country. They've almost, I'm unaware of any Republican um, piece of legislation that's been effective in putting people down. Um, it's been almost, as far as I know, exclusively Democrats between redlining, Jim Crow, um, the, uh, you know, Johnson's um, plan for, for welfare that is, you know, made the the black single motherhood rate massively higher. Um, gosh, oh, the 1994 crime bill that Biden came on with, uh, with the Clintons. Yeah, yeah you he know. owns that. Yeah, we, he owns that. Yeah, remember the great line, we have to bring them to heal, was right. the line. So, um, yeah, it's, it's uh, stop doing, you know, stopping doing this harm to people that have been harmed so much historically, I think is a great first step in, in, in fixing um, the problems that exist there. So anyway, we've got, um, so we've, we've introduced this kind of natural law that, that, that describes the cycles of tyranny and liberty. And, um, I think that that, that to me, that's the, the easy answer as to why Marxism is, is, um, which, which concurs with your explanation, um, LOP actual there. And, uh, so now that we've, we've set the the framework as to why we're, you know, we're the, we're the, we're the soft, you know, third generation rich kids that weren't around when our grandfathers were building the business. Right. And so, and, and it's somewhat forgivable that the, the economy is so complex that it's very hard to understand, um, at all. And so we have layer upon layer of beautiful, nearly perfect systems that have been built by Americans' hands over generations. And a lot of these kids, you know, who don't even know that the Holocaust was a real thing or what Auschwitz is, they sure as shit don't know about Henry Ford and the cotton gin and all the tiny little steps leading up to the magnificent dream that we live in now. 
So um, going back to root um, root ethics, you know, we're about to talk about um, the ethics of how well of, of liberty. We have to kind of start at the very root level um, with natural law, which is something that I had never heard of until I was probably 30 or so. So I'm still pretty new to, to knowing it. But the basics of natural law is you can do whatever the shit you want. Um, and that does, and, and you can prove that by walking out the door right now. And I don't advise that anybody do this because of course we're peaceful, loving people, but you can literally do any heinous action you want. You have a natural right to do it. So You've by definition, our- natural law in philosophy is a system of right or justice held to be common to all humans and derived from nature rather than from the rules of society or positive law. Which right. is which is what you're describing right now, and and so that's sort of the basic. Um, there's this guy Alistair Crowley way back in the day that that posited that, and he was a creepy dude. I'm not saying he's somebody to really look <laughs> up to. He was into some gnarly stuff. I think he would have gotten along really well with the lizard people today. Um, but based on top of that, you know, the market for liberty is a classic by the Tannehills is a a classic sort of definition of of where do we go if we can do anything so we've already established we have the natural right to do anything but should we obviously not and so we have to have a discussion about what is good and what is bad and um you can use the bible for that um or the torah or whatever you know whatever holy book you subscribe to but you know you want to kind of let's look under the hood and see how the engine is actually driven And the way that that Jordan Peterson goes about describing this is that it's really easy to focus on what we don't want. And he talks about hell being a bottomless pit because however bad it is, you can always imagine a way to make it worse. And so there are many opportunities to make hell. Do we want hell? I don't think anybody does. Well, there's some people that do, but in in terms Mm -hmm. of most normal people, we don't want hell. And we, so what's the opposite of hell? That's heaven. And so it's, you know, the, the the Torah and the Old Testament are extremely unclear as to what heaven is. Um, the and, and I'm not this isn't a scriptural lesson, but I think it's a useful um, a useful talking point. And Jay, I think, knows a good deal more about this than I do. So I'll, I'll chime in. But the basic idea of the afterlife in Orthodox Christianity and in Judaism is that heaven and hell are the same place. And that the way that you live your life on this earth will determine whether you experience the afterlife as heaven or hell. So you can imagine it being like you're in a training camp for the next battle and the next life. What's so practically useful about that is that regardless of whether heaven or hell exists, it makes you a better person and puts you towards a better, a better civilization. And so to loop back around to, okay, what's the opposite of hell? Um, it's a place where we treat each other fairly and we don't point guns at each other unless somebody has it coming. And basically that if we, if we do the things that make life better, everything will be better. And that's, that's terribly broad, but we have to start broad to get narrow. Um, Jay point, Jay, do you want to add anything to that? I don't want to be butchering the, um, uh, the old Testament stuff at all. No, I I mean, like, you know, it, this really isn't, you know, about theology, uh, uh, theology, um, wow. Theology? But, uh, 
theology. Well, see, but Asperger's, Come on, Asperger's. makes you want to say each of the syllables. Okay. <laughs> All right. In yeah. terms of natural law, natural law actually is derivative, and it's spoken of, and and really didn't become a thing among amongst civilized what we'll call civilized humans, uh, really until the Renaissance, even though. You know, famous good dudes, you know, reference from Bill and Ted, like Aristotle, right, um, wrote endlessly about natural law because it was based upon ancient precepts that came from the Old Testament that basically said man's law is always going to restrict us, but God's law is the one that we should control ourselves by. And with those fundamental ideas that were given to us by our mystical being that's everywhere, we have Ten Commandments. Those Ten Commandments functionally are really the only rules that we need and if we follow those 10, we don't need some weak man to impose his concepts of rule and order on us because we are self-governing under natural as in God's law. But would that be the human rights, God's law? Well, no. Oh, yeah. Yes and no, because like in all actuality, these are still the laws that all animals will follow also, because, you know, it's only ego that says that humans are um, of higher uh, order of hierarchy than any of the rest of the creatures on this planet, because we do we're not more organized than insects. True. So with that. It's natural law, because if you see, if you look at the universe, you find organizational structure. And they don't have a tax code that needs a whole fucking library, right, to be held and referenced to. A real easy but, example is uh, with dogs. Uh, when, mm -hmm. they're, when they're establishing dominance, they'll fight, but... It won't be real fighting. There might be some nips, but it ends, we all know, with one dog on its back, with showing its belly, which is the debt, you know, that's easily the most vulnerable part of yeah. an animal. And yeah. the winning dog is at the throat of the losing dog, but it does not deign to kill that animal. No, it does and not. That is a, that is a, a very... Um, highly ordered system that is pro-life and anti-death for the group because dogs right. you know coming from wolves um yeah. realized that they realized is maybe too complicated a term but it worked out better for them to hunt together than alone and um so you see ethics in animal play all the time pigs do all it they, you know all pigs have an even more complicated system than dogs of communication <laughs> You pig farmers out there, I bet, love watching pig tag. And uh, <laughs> they actually will, they'll appoint the time and they'll all circle up like they're huddled. 
and then they'll be doing their oinking and then they'll start chuffing or barking. And uh, one of them will take off running and all the other pigs will run after him. And um, at a certain point, the pig that's running away will stop, wheel around 180, and then they'll start kind of oinking and saying, wasn't that fun? Okay, who's going to go next? And um, so, you know, and letting alone, you know, dolphins and other dolphins and whales, you know, I don't, I'm not. So are these examples of, of liberty within other species? No, well, no, it's natural no. law and and a system of ethics, and and maybe it's a good time to get to the natu- to the non-aggression principle because okay. that's really the the meat and potatoes of what we're going to talk about. Okay, and sure. um, the the very simplest thing, is, and it's it's the ethos that I live my life by, um, and it, it's that it's wrong to hurt people or take their stuff, and that's it. And there's right. a we'll we'll easy. read <laughs> easy rule. It's a pretty Um, And uh, I'll read a passage from a great guy who was incredibly prolific um, called Murray Rothbard. And um, he wrote a book called War, Peace, and the State. And uh, he has a a somewhat academic description here, but I think it's really good. I'm going to read it slow. No one may threaten or commit violence, that is, aggress, against another man's person or property. Violence may be employed only against the man who commits such violence, that is, only defensively against the aggressive violence of another. In short, no violence may be employed against a non-aggressor. Here is the fundamental rule from which can be deduced the entire corpus, that is, body, of libertarian theory. This is the root of the root when we're talking about libertarianism, anarcho-capitalism, voluntarism, agorism, all of these isms that basically all boil down to different takes or different levels of pragmatism, that is, you know, watering them down, but they all come from it's wrong to hurt people and take their stuff. Now, I know so this is a good example would be our jack wagon of the uh, lady who was at the, the train station or bus station and the guy came up and uh, was trying to take what was her, and she showed aggression back and killed him. Yeah, and, and some folks will will call that force, that we never employ violence, that we only employ force against violence, and only until the point at which we've stopped the violence. That is, we don't get punitive. Mm-hmm. Um, there, There's a good argument um, about the courts that's basically that that the legal system in America is just that, but it is not a justice system. Um, when you get stolen from, there's a saying that goes, you get stolen from three times in America. There's the actual incident. Um, and that, sorry, I'm mixing metaphors here. There's a bunch of problems. So you, somebody takes your stuff mm-hmm. and then they immediately fence it for drugs and then they get caught. Well, the first there's the first theft of, of stealing your stuff. Mm-hmm. Then there's the second theft of you paid taxes to employ the police. Now, the reason that I say that's a theft is that if you don't pay your taxes, watch what happens. Somebody points a gun at you eventually. You know, it will eventually come to you having a point, uh, a gun pointed at you by an officer of the state. And if you resist, you will be shot. And so, um, 
So there's the second theft. And then the third theft is that you have to pay for that guy to be in jail or whatever, again, through taxes, and um, that you still don't have your stuff. And so did anybody really win? And and it's not that I don't think I'm this is not me personally saying that I believe this. I am only this is a theory. Yeah, this this is the theory. So uh, that kind of leads us to um, the natural consequences of agreeing that the non-aggression principle or nap, you'll see it called, like taking a nap. If there's a, a great meme out there that you become a libertarian when you agree that it's wrong to hurt people and take their stuff, you become an anarchist when you realize there are no exceptions. And um, so an anarchist is not, and we can be a little more clear that, an, that, that what we're talking about here is anarcho-capitalism. Um, and capitalism, everybody gets really wrapped around the axle on what it actually is. All it is, is private ownership of the means of production. That is, you own the company, You, if you're a roofer, you own your tools and your truck. Um, that's what capitalism is. The minute that you involve the state and the state is regulating it, you are not in a pure capitalist system anymore. So pure capitalism is anarchic. The minute somebody brings guns to the business exchange, it is no longer anarchic. And so, um, yeah. Right. So, and that's one of the, and that's one of the distinctions, um, or where you get concepts of free market capitalism. Right. And you start uh, free market capitalism will have a lot less of these um, uh, uh, artificial terms and conditions and restrictions and registrations on them so that you can you're free to do business as you're able to. Right. With com with healthy competition. Um, and it, it is what it is from there. Cause if you have a good or service that somebody wants to pay you for, that's cool. As soon as legislation starts kicking in that says, yeah, you can do business, but, or you can do business, but the government's got to get a piece of that. You're now no longer in a free market. And likewise, if you have an oil baron or, you know, late 1800s, there were some really awful people. Who did things like, yeah, those guys where, or they'll, who will form a monopoly and then force you to buy their stuff. Right. You're also not in capitalism there either. And so, no. um, or pure anarcho-capitalism. So anytime somebody brings a gun to the fight or to the, to the business exchange and turns it into a coercive, that meaning you, you can't really choose what you're doing, um, then we're not talking about pure anarcho-capitalism at this point. Right. And so. you can see and you can see examples of that of that gun to your head every time you look at one of your telecommunications bills or every time uh, you go to um, engage in a new service and you have a terms and conditions, those terms and conditions which are upheld in court, but you don't have representation when those were originally being negotiated. So those are just actually taxes with, without representation. That's a, a, 
maybe a great time to talk about the social contract. You know, written on the front of the Treasury building is taxes are the price we pay for a civilized society. <laughs> hmm. And people talk about, well, you signed up to the social contract when you were born in America. You're welcome. And, um, you know, it's useful to look at the U.S. legal definition of what a contract is. Right. You have to be able to consent to a contract. If it's coercive, it's not a contract anymore. You have to be able to understand the contract. You have to be able to know what you're signing up to. This is the reason, you know, when you go to buy a car or, you know, there have been a lot of shady people out there that have taken advantage of people with contracts. And so there's all these, you know, extra pages that, you know, attempt to make people informed as to what they're signing. And there's several other conditions about them being reasonable. And uh, the social contract is not. There's no such thing. And so, you know, anybody that tries to tell you that you owe taxes because of where you were born, um, to me, is the height of, well, it's the opposite of what America is in my mind. Um, so, yeah. Mm -hmm. This episode of Talking Lead is brought to you in part by Occam Defense. The guys at Occam love the AK, but didn't love burning their hands, getting cut by their pre-sharpened gun, or the lack of options for accessories. After spending a few years in the lab, they've recently released the ODS 1775, which brings the best of the AR family to the Kalashnikov's reliability. It's still an AK under the hood. AK mags, forged Polish AK parts, but with American aerospace manufacturing practices and ingenuity. Check them out at OccamDefense.com or on Instagram at OccamDefenseSolutions. Um, so there's, there are a lot of compromises that come, you know, we just talked about how, you know, it's wrong to, again, nap is it's wrong to hurt people or take their stuff. And again, what we're talking about is... Again, talk about this system that we're talking about. It's called... There, there's a bunch of names agorism. for it. Agorism, anarchism, voluntarism. You got any others, Jay? Um, no, because uh, th those are actually the most significant of them and everything everything that's other than that is basically all the same type of thing except for like some exceptions because, um, you know, humans like fragmenting fucking theories. Yeah. And so we, yeah, we're, we're, yeah, I think all of us are, are, uh, acutely wanting to keep this high level and not get down in the nerd weeds, but we can kind of yeah. call, we can talk about sort of three levels of this. The pure form of following the non-aggression principle is that I think anarcho-capitalism is the best way of describing it. Anarchism literally just means an, the prefix an just means no. And arc means leader it just means no leader and so that's it's immediately obvious a system with no leader there it is and so it it means no guns at the party and so that's immediately why uh black block and uh, antifa all those guys it's obvious that they have nothing to do with anarchism because they're all they're authoritarian communists you know the opposite of 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 anarchism is authoritarianism, right? So they're the opposite of what they proclaim to be, which is how you can really start to read most words in the United States, unfortunately, right now, like the Patriot Act. Um, there's another one. I forget what the Dems are trying to push through with their uh, 
their socialism bill, what it's called lately, but it's like the Keep America Free Act or some nonsense. Basically, just flip, flip what you think it should mean, and that's what it really means. Right. It's like Save the Puppies Act. You know. There you go. That <laughs> means we're going to kill all the puppies. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, as we say with you know that that meme idea of that you become a libertarian when you buy into nap, you become an anarchist when you realize there's no exceptions. So the pure form. So the pure Colombian form of the non-aggression principle is anarcho-capitalism, as we've just described. And the I'm not going to call it the sellout version, but you're pretty sold out in libertarianism, by which I mean you're all the way inside the state trying to fix it from the inside out, which I think is a very laudable goal. But I think that you do see, you know, libertarians in general are some of my favorite people. And the libertarian party is just a hot mess. And um, I think that might be why is because the people with the best brains are like, oof, we got to we've got to sell out a really long way here to be able to work with inside the American system of government as it cur currently stands. That said, that's where I think most of us need to pragmatically be is voting for liberty. And, um, you know, it, there's an argument to be made that voting is is buying into the state, you know, um, and so you shouldn't even vote. You know, a part of me really likes that because if we ignore the government and don't pay them taxes, I guarantee you they will go away. And um, but we all have to decide at the same time we're going to do it. And um, so, but this you know, is an economic um, philosophy, right? It's well, purely it, economic, right? Well, economics means is is um, oikos is the root of that for eco, which is the home mm -hmm. and. Yep. Not and nom is is name, so it's and just like astronomy, for example. Mm -hmm. um, so it's the study of the home is economics. It's a, economics is a study of human behavior. So the the difference between and we all are raised to think that you know Keynesian economics and all that it's the study of money. It's not. Right. It's a study of human behavior. It is you know indistinguishable in some sense from psychology and in other senses from theology because we're talking about ethics and we're talking about human behavior and trying to figure out how to make us all win. You so know, how does a the, military fit into this type system? Oh, that's real easy. Yeah. So uh, uh, governments are just corporations with monopolies on violence. Yep. So you're saying the military is just their guns? That's no, all they are. Yeah, that's well, all that they really, that's all that they really are. All that they're real, all, all, all that all that the military is really there to do is to protect your shit. Yeah. When I say and when I say your, I mean you know I, I want to say your because I'm not into collectivism, right? I say your shit because like believe it or not, yes, actually the military is actually there to make sure that that fucking lefty has a home to come home to. Mm -hmm. Because if there wasn't a fucking military, um, I guarantee you that, you know, that there'd be a, a billion fucking Chinamen walking across the United States on their way to your home. But yep. uh, that's what I'm saying. How does how does a military, you know, to protect us from other um, to protect us from other ideologies coming in and taking over? I mean, we have our, our you know, America, we've got our ideology here but we're under threat from marxism and yep. and and well, communism and and all in our military what we're what we're taught 
is that our military pushes them away and keeps them out of our country. That's yeah, why we... A, a fundamentally unconstitutional thing. And I'll, right. I'll tell you, one of, my favorite, one of my favorite aspects of the Constitution, and it really is a beautifully written short document that you can work through in an evening at most, but it's, it's to be read slowly. There is... Um, there's a fascinating detail in there where the Congress is required to fund the Navy, but the army, if an army is to be made, has to be reappropriated every two years. And to me, it doesn't take a dummy to figure out what that says, or it doesn't take a genius to figure out what that means. Um, it means that, that we have a really strong Navy to protect our borders because that's where the military threats are coming from. We have, we we're really well protected and, you know, geographically, but a strong Navy keeps the bad guys away. And that what the, what the framers of the constitution knew was that if we kept a standing army, that's how the bad things happened last time. And having a standing army is really, really dumb. If you like Liberty and there's two things you're going to do, if you're not using it because you're a corporation, you're going to figure out how to use it to make some money. And, you know, we've definitely done that. You know, I, I hope that's not a controversial statement that the U.S. has not always used its military wisely or ethically. Uh, and I think it's a fact. You know, it's, yeah, it's okay. horse historically proven. Yep. Um, and so the militia, that is us, the people, and I don't mean the Well-regulated like militia. Yeah, that means Joe Bob the farmer. It means Fred the plumber. It means you. It means and, me. Uh, yeah, and uh, that's us. And the great thing about that is that if we think if we get called up to go do a war and we think it's dumb, we're going to stay home. And so you're going to really keep liberty high if you don't have a standing army. And uh, I think we've done a reasonable job at keeping the the bloat down. But you know, it's you have to ask the question. It, were the constant framers of the constitution wrong? And I don't think they were wrong personally. And, um, so that goes to your, well, and, le and let me digress briefly and to, to loop back around to why the government is a, is a corporation. If you look at how governments actually get stood up, you know, when a city is formed, it incorporates, which means from Latin to make a body. Yep. And so, you know, corporations are just groups of people doing things that are bigger than they could do individually. And they do have a good use. Um, it used to be that corporations were only given charters by the government, that is the, the big corporation that owns all this land, um, to do things that, that individuals couldn't do on their own. Um, like water companies, fire companies, that sort of thing. You didn't used to need to incorporate to just be a mom and pop to protect yourself from liability. That wasn't a thing. Um, so that's another way to look at at the the governments or a corporation being a reality is if you own your your home and you own some land, take a look at the deed. You don't own the land; you are renting the land. A quit claim deed does not say that you own the land. The land. And so the way to think about property taxes is that you're renting the land from the corporation, which is the government. And um, I think functionally, that's a much better uh, model of behavior than anything else. You know, the executive, the president is the CEO and the uh, 
the Congress and Senate are um, the board. And then you've got the arbitrators, you know, if we have a me mediators, if we have a judicial. lawsuit going on, that's the Supreme judicial. Court. And then who are the shareholders? Supposedly uh, the banks. <laughs> no, no, yeah, well, the treasury. It should be it. It by rights, it's us. Oh. And um, there's more to rant on with the Federal Reserve and what they're doing to our shareholder value for another day. Um, but I really do encourage people to. It, it's going to probably be really upsetting for some people to to think about it that way. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying it's a way to think about it, and it's it's worth spending some time on. So in between libertarianism that is working for liberty and the furthering of the non-aggression principle from within the government, you know, within the institution, this corporation that we're all part of, and ANCAP, there's a middle ground called minarchism. And that's the only ism that I think is worth talking about just because we're talking about low, medium, high kind of thing. High liberty is ANCAP, low liberty is libertarianism within this framework. Minarchism is this idea, kind of like the Grover Norquist and the Tea Party back in the, you know, 10 years ago or so. Let's figure out the very smallest amount of government that we can come up with, as Grover Norquist said, small enough to drown in a bathtub, um, where we can keep this whole thing on the rails and keep liberty maximized and keep prosperity maximized and keep the Chicoms from from landing. And I think that's a really good goal. You know, I think it's obvious that we will never attain um, pure anarchy in our lifetime as a population, but we sure as shit can get more liberty minded and, and get towards the, the root goal of all this, which is self-ownership and self-responsibility and, and, and being your own person that where you rely cooperatively on a group of people that you make voluntary arrangements with. But the government's just there to make sure the roads get paved and the fire departments are funded. You know, that's kind of it. You know, and, and functionally and fundamentally, that's actually the system that the founders um, had most in mind when they when they drafted the fine document um, was that the United States of America was never truly envisioned to be a country separated theoretically into 50 states but to have 50 nations cooperatively as a country 100 and, and the you you can see if you if you look at each one of the states that each of the states are set up they're established to function independently with their own representation, their own constitutions, they have their own militaries, and they need to be able to provide their own basic and essential services for their, uh, for their territories. Some states are much, much better at doing it than others. But what we can aspire towards and what um, there's some actually new theory that's been circulating around the uh, interwebs is that in the event that um, we have a uh, cataclysmic divorce, so to speak, um, in, the, uh, in these United States, that what we will uh, potentially wind up with is something that's actually closer to what we were in the beginning with federalism, and that each state 
will then be responsible for itself and its own citizens. Now, they, 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 they may do some cooperation state to state. You know, Florida will do business with Georgia. Georgia will do business with Alabama. Alabama will do business with Mississippi and Louisiana and Texas, right? Because geographically it makes sense. And there's a lot of uh, common ground there, just like the New York, New Jersey, Eastern Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, Vermont's places like that will ultimately form their own uh, thing, but still maybe fall under some variety of uh, federal umbrella. And each of our, so each of our states are already set up to be their own nation of sorts. And under federalism, you have the best kind of representation because that's local representation. Rather than having dudes that may live across the country from you and they're there to represent your state, your nation, but you never get an opportunity to interact with them because they're geographically separated from you. Like, you know, do Californians have an opportunity to knock on the door of their senator? Not at all. But if they if that senator had to stay in California, he could go knock on that door. And if you can get face to face with somebody, you can actually you can actually theoretically talk to them. Just like in your town, you you can go talk to your mayor or your city commission. They're required under charter to allow you to speak at your at, at your city commission meetings. That's how small government is supposed to work. And that's how federalism was designed to operate. And that's where this um, uh, minarchism um, functions. So it's so you have a very, very small amount of government that you have interact, that you have the capability of interaction with. So are you talking about minarchy? So Essentially. Okay. And, and that would be my question. I think, I guess that would fill my question about, you know, where does the, you know, the military, the police fit in. And then under that type of system, that's where that would come in because they basically they basically would enforce the non-aggression principle under the minarchy. That- I'm, not, I'm, I'm not quite, I, you know what, honestly, I'm really not quite sure um, if our uh, modern law enforcement actually has that role. I know that in my state where I have constitutional sheriffs, well, I'm not saying under our, our, our current system. I'm just saying under the the ideal of a monarchy. Yeah, so... Um, so under a monarchy, so, the, you know, the, um, the non-aggression principle is enforced, you know. There has to be some aggression somewhere if somebody's not abiding by the, by the rules. So that's why I had the yeah. question about the military and the police, you know, under the... Under NAP or under anarchism or any or something like that. One, yeah, one yeah, the agro. Uh, you know. Oh, agorism. I think yeah. I misunderstood your question a little bit. Let me try and do a better job of that. The the whole trip is is somebody pointing a gun at your head, not giving you the choice of whether to be there or not. And so you can actually have any kind of a system like communism or you know a libertarian deal. You can have any form of government you want. The whole key thing is, are you voluntarily submitting to that government? So, you know, I we both 
sign contracts with um, with other folks, and uh, hopefully there's no guns pointed, no offers we couldn't refuse. And um, we, you know, when we were sober, we signed this thing and we say, these are the rules of the game that we're going to play. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's this great Chinese proverb, you need three three things to play a game. You need to know what the rules are. You need to know how to play, like what the strategy is. And then you need to know when you're done. But the whole thing is that that it's all about did you have free choice to enter into this government that you're being part of? Right. And so, you know, for example, in the U.S., when we're born into it, we get a Social Security card. You know, bam, we're in the system. Yeah. Nobody asked us. And so, you know, the system that we're currently under does not meet the non-aggression principle hardly at all. And but but yet it's the best government that's ever been created, most successful nation in history. You know, that I'm I'm not I'm not shitting all over what's been built. It's amazing. It's a miracle the thing works at all. No, and, and I don't and I don't want our listeners to uh to think that either. I mean, we're just presenting an ideology here, you know. Yeah, and so you know, uh the Jews have this really figured out very well that they have this giant book of rules that they need to follow. And so they sin like, you know, 50 times a day if they're doing a good job. And it's great because they wash the, the, they wash the skank off of sinning. You know, they know they're going to do it because they're human. And yet the, the, the root word of sin, as I understand it, or the root meaning is to miss one's mark. It's not that you're a bad person, it's that you missed your goal. And so I think our shared goal with this talk is to give people a really great vision of what liberty heaven looks like. And we all want to steer that way, knowing that we'll never hit it 100%. We're just trying to, you know, if you make a 1% improvement every day in 100 days, you're twice as good as you were. And so it's just that little, little incremental improvement and remembering what we all value most deeply. What do you have to add to what Brian just said, Jay? Well, the ultimate conclusion here is not to get caught up in the isms and the academics and to keep yourself focused, keep yourself in check and remember that ultimately you're responsible for yourself. These are all uh, what we were talking about here are all value based propositions that most people are already well in tune with because, you know, they, they already come to the table with their own value system and things that um, that they were raised with. Fundamentally, most Americans are already stepping halfway into the lane of individual responsibility and with their fucking autonomy, self-reliance and agorism, because most of us hardcore Americans were raised to basically take one on the chin and just keep going because that's what we do. Um, it's, it's fundamentally uh, what our grandparents did to, um, you know, to keep this uh, to keep this country from the actual fascists. And, you know, other things that we can get into at another time. But this nation was uh, was fundamentally founded and and encouraged on the principles of don't fuck with me. I just want to be left alone, do my own thing with my family and do the best that I can for my community. Traditionally, our value systems were based on how we interact locally and how that those regional responsibilities played out. It wasn't further down the road that our systems 
um, how we got organized as a country with this corporatism and technocracy and functional oligarchy that we have began deflecting and steering these principles into like this fucked up paradigm that ult- ultimately led us where we're at and totally astray. Right. We are all already aware of how nationalism and, and then later how globalism totally screwed us over. Since losing touch of, uh, of our guiding principles, it was easy to convince, connive, manipulate all these groups that are blowing up all of our Twitter accounts and Facebook lives like at this very minute into believing that the group is actually more important than the individual and all this other like Star Trek Borg bullshit. When groups that have more perceived importance than the individual, we totally deteriorate from what the values of this country were founded on originally. We see examples of what the founders had in mind all through our literature, our founding documents, and in the tone in which they were written. Our Declaration of Independence uh, is totally a manifesto of individualism. Our Constitution is a document that serves as the individual against the tyranny of the state that we've been talking about for the last hour or so. And that's basically where I'm at for where we are right now. Tyranny of the state is because we, the fucking people, have consented to the government that we're like, fuck it, do what you want to do because I'm powerless. But in, in reality, if we return to what we were, and not only to reflect back on our founding documents, but rewind entirely to our founding values, the consent of the government is in the palm of our hand. And if we don't like what's going on, we have not only the legal right, but we have a moral and ethical obligation to exert what's in our hand with a clenched fist. And it's exactly what Hamilton had in mind. And at a certain point, all of us as Americans are going to have to consider that as a viable option because we have four boxes. And to this point, three of them are total bullshit and we only have one box left. And that last box is a motherfucker. And we don't want to use it unless we absolutely have to. What are, what are those boxes there, Jake? Can you just put that on a bumper sticker for me? <laughs> yeah, the four boxes, man. The four boxes are a good one. Um, you have the soap box with your freedom of speech, right? Yeah. You have the jury box where you can be, you can voice your opinion as a member of a jury and it can be judicial and occasionally legislative law, even though most of us are not, not participative in that. Our third box is the voting box where we vote the people in that we think best serve our interests. We can do that locally, which is the most important of them all. And then theoretically we have national elections. That's the third box. The fourth box is the ammo box. (laughs) And the ammo box is the absolute last resort to get your way. Yeah, I think often now of the HBO series, John Adams, and I think that's a really good place for people to, to, you know, ruminate or think about those four boxes. And I love how... um, Adams is portrayed in that series as being the most reluctant of revolutionaries. Is that the one with Paul Giamatti? 
Yeah. yeah, man, dude, that was really well done. That was a really good done series, man. It's one of those shows that one, you know, that another one of these commie fuck companies, right, did maybe without thinking about it because it's in total opposition to their corporate values. And they yeah, just I, hit it out of the park. It's just great. Everybody should watch that shit. Yeah, it really is, I think, one of the best meditations on be very careful. I think that he shows the proper deliberation in making that decision and the proper agony and the proper fear for his children and others' children before undertaking that kind of a thing. Now, do you and, guys have do you guys have Netflix also? Yeah, I canceled my fucking Netflix because <laughs> I don't do <laughs> So they've got a they've got a a documentary, I guess, uh, on there right now. It's called The Social Dilemma. Have you seen that yet, Brian? I have not. I've I'm frankly so bothered by social media right now and, well, and that, that's perfect. You should watch this then because that's what it delves into is the the problems um that social media has created in our country. And they've taken a lot of former, you know, executives from uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you know, all these these big things and how, you know, they were there and they saw the inner workings and their opinions on all the problems and everything that the, the social media has led up to to today. It's, it's really good. And, and I really want to cancel all my fucking social media shit. You know, well, I'm a, it, the it, only the only social media that I'm active on is is for League of Pirates. My personal social media is fucking dead as a doornail. So is mine. Yeah, I won't part. I, I'm I'm I'm. I just do um, it for talking lead. That's the only reason I do it. I've got a Facebook I, account, but I don't do anything yep. on it. Well, no, this is I, this is a hazard with all technologies, and that's something I've spent a number of years kvetching over. Is that that it, I. Yeah, technology is is very much a uh, a, a two sided sword, and um, the you know social media has been responsible for a whole bunch of revolutions around the around the globe. Well, I think and they're so I think they're very much responsible for what's going on in our country right now. They're yeah. absolutely responsible for that, and and you're going to see that further illustrated by Facebook's um, uh, new policies that are going to unroll in about nine days. Um, and also in particular where they had a statement, um, it might've been today, m maybe yesterday where they said that they're not going to, um, uh, they're not going to promote any political posts. I'll bet you a fucking nickel that, th that they only promote one side. Oh, absolutely. No, and where I was going with that on the technology is I, th I think that social media is the single biggest threat to our Republic today, all day, all day long. <laughs> All day, you could, you, you could, if you nuke social media right now, you you would, you you would functionally cause most people to um, um, have a, uh, a conniption frit because it wouldn't feed their vapid narcissistic bullshit, and that well, would crush, and that would crush their fucking egos. Well, and they would also fight. You know, it would take about a week for the dopamine, you know, withdrawal to yeah, all day, and then all they day. would go outside. And right. Yeah. And, and they would start have, coping, and you would well, and you wouldn't be no. hearing about all these "quote unquote" bad police shoots. Yeah, it, it's all of this is just click rage, yeah. and, and so, the teen yeah. suicide rate would drop. 
So there's there's several podcasts that have dealt with this for years now, and I, I'm blanking on the gentleman's name. I would have found it if I'd known ahead of time. Um, but it's either Sam Harris, Tristan, damn, Tristan somebody uh, has a, a responsible use of technology company. He was, I think, at one of the big three social media companies. I think he's in that documentary. That sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, you can, I, it sounds like the documentary is great, but if you're a podcast form kind of guy, check out, I know that Sam Harris has lost his freaking mind, but like he did used to have some great content. Trist, uh, Tristan Harris, that's the guy's name. That guy, if you listen to an hour with him talking about the way that social media is engineered to hijack your free will, um, if yeah. you love Liberty, uh, you'll see that on it. It well, yeah, it's um, it it's anything but voluntary. Uh, Any in some sense, and it's coercive, and it's there, there's nothing morally MK. better. Yeah, no, there's nothing morally better uh, about the leaders of tech companies. Yeah, this is the guy. Yeah, he was on this. Uh, he was in this documentary. There we go. Yeah, so that sounds like it's great because he's he's on the ball. But yeah, Tristan the, Harris helps the technology industry more concisely uh, and ethically shape the human spirit and human potential. Design yeah. thinker. I I think that. Um, Calling uh, social media companies pimps and drug dealers is being insulting to pimps and drug dealers. I would agree, man. Because even when you're high on dope, man, you're you know you're still normal sometimes. Well, you know the only two (laughs) the only two industries that call their customer users are drug dealers and software companies. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, that's a fucking meme, bro. Yeah. Well, I got no, that from that documentary, so I can't take credit for it. But uh, <laughs> it's but a good I, documentary. I, you should watch I, it. I would be glad to pirate that from those cocksuckers who host fucking child porn. So fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> available on LegalPirates.com as a t-shirt and other pirated fucking material. There you so. go. <laughs> Very good. Any but submission. Any yeah. but submission. And my balls, too. <laughs> Very good. So there you have it, Leadheads. We uh, we deep dove into a another area, you know, yet undis- undiscovered on the Talking Lead podcast. We're we're uncharted territories here in the last couple of episodes, and uh, uh, hopefully well, you guys to, enjoyed this welcome. episode just as much as the the previous one. Welcome uh, to the weird. This is where we live. Right. <laughs> this is today's world. And speaking of, real quick, um, you know, earlier we talked about Louisville. What's going on in Louisville? This is uh, the day that all the riots and shit are going on there. You guys got any like live feeds or anything? Is anything yeah, else happen while we're? Yeah. yeah, the whole thing's actually happening. It's actually occurring simultaneously in um, seven cities that I'm aware of right now. Each one is not any better than the rest. Um, so more burning, get- more looting, rioting. Yeah, setting things on fire, freaking out. Uh, shots fired on um, on some LE. Um, two, um, one of them, uh, one of them took one to the head. He's in surgery. Another one took one to the gut. Uh, third one, I'm not quite so sure about. That's all in Louisville. Um, oh my God. Washington D. Washington D.C. is a shit show. Um, and like, I haven't really been paying attention so much to the other ones, but this. Th- 
we're going to see in the next couple of days how motivated these motherfuckers are. Yeah, I'm looking and, at uh, a, a new resource for you guys, uh, Brendan Gutenschwager, which I know is too much to type in or spell. His Twitter handle is BG Bravo Golf on the scene. Okay. BG on the scene. And he's the original source guy for. Andy No and Tim Poole and a whole bunch of other folks. Um, I think it's gotten pretty dangerous for Andy No to actually be on site. And uh, the latest, he's on the scene right now. And you, you guys, you know, this will be, you guys are hearing this in the future, so you know how it turns out. But um, I'm watching right now FBI armored trucks and National Guard trucks on scene. So I think Trump, President Trump has, uh, he's getting, fixing to put the boot in. He's done a really good job, brilliantly, I think, of of keeping these things down. And so for me personally, it's looking a lot like keep your powder dry, hold fire. You know, Trump is really, you know, I, I, I'm not as big as fan. I'm sure glad he's in office, um, but he seems to be listening to some very brilliant people and uh, doing a good job to work within the, the constraints of what he has to to keep things rational. Yeah. And and. To pair with that, I'm going to say that there's that, that there's probably been some um, conference calls with some governors. Um, my governor came out swinging a couple days ago with our sheriff's um, sheriff's association and basically just told um, he basically just sent out a blanket statement to all the rioters, protesters, insurgents, and fucking Maoists that. As far as Florida is concerned, um, Captain Ron just said, "Not today, Satan." So. Um, anything that pops up in Florida is going to end kind of quickly. Um, they're just not having it. So unless you have some very, very for real grown up revolutionary shit happen, it's going to get squashed pretty easily and pretty quickly, um, by the state, which I'm very conflicted about, but, um, if, you know, if I can voluntarily, you know, um, give the opportunity to the professionals to do it, that's cool. Um, if I have to defend, you know, my suburb, my city, my county, I'm more than capable. Um, but, you know, insurgencies are insurgencies are not Call of Duty. You're not going to fucking respawn. Yeah. So. I think that in the next couple of days, particularly through this weekend, um, if you don't see a very significant uptick in violence, I think we're going to coast with just like some very low grade bullshit violence that will just let shit burn and uh, keep it contained. So yeah, I don't know. Can, I think they've got more shit planned for the upcoming uh, election as it gets near. I think these assholes got more. They have no dubious. balls, dude. They they know. just don't like quite seriously. They don't have the balls, and um, they really are just opportunistic feeders. Um, if you know, why did they have to wait until today to start doing this shit? If they were so mad, they had U-Haul trucks dropping off fucking banners and bullshit. Um, if they were truly motivated, those U-Haul vans could have been filled with something else. Yeah. More and more, uh, having talked with Jay a few times on this, I think it's a really accurate statement of where things are at. It's like, you know, they're, they're just being the useful idiot provocateurs, you know, it, you know, one truck, as Jay says, having 
something else in it. Totally different deal. And so they're just trying as we, when we were little kids and, you know, the phrase to, that I always got told was, don't let them get your goat. And these no. guys are just trying to get our goats and trick doing something so that That's the mainstream it. media can say that we're all white supremacists. All day so, long. You know, yeah, that, all day, all day long, like the Louisville, uh, Louisville militia, y'all are doing a pretty good job of holding your shit together. So if, you know, any of y'all that are listening, good job. Cause you know, it takes a significant amount of discipline not to fucking canoe these motherfuckers. Well, it just started. So, I mean, let's, we'll see what happens. Uh, like you yeah, said, uh, but, people listen to this, know, uh, this is, this is the past and, uh, we'll see, we'll see if our predictions hold true. So that's a, you gave a good kind of a source of information there, Brian. BG on the scene. Do you guys have any other uh, places that our leadheads go to to get some, you know, outside the norm news feeds that are, you know, somewhat reliable? No, because none of them are actually reliable. Um, after after you watch BG for a while, I mean, BG can only be in one place at one time. Well, I understand so that. You know what oh. I mean? So what, what, what you're actually, you know, what, what you're also going to want to be able to do is um, you're just going to want to search some hashtags, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and start, you know, and 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 basically just start finding these independent broadcasters. So they're not fucking journalists; they're just broadcasters. Yeah. So you're you're just going to want to search, and it's not that complicated. So, you know, if you can find ammo now, you know, you can search <laughs> to be able to, uh, you know, find, uh, find people that are broadcasting. What, yeah. uh, is there, are there any certain hashtags that you recommend? Oh, no, you just hashtag the city. Just hashtag Louisville, hashtag Phoenix, gotcha, hashtag, gotcha, gotcha. hashtag DC. There you go. You know, a- after you get used to doing that, um, we're starting to get into some of the conversation we had last time, but um, what um, the most important thing, right? This last little tidbit is set up another account for yourself that's not connected to you, right? Yeah. That you can just get onto your Twitter. Ghost account, yeah, yeah, just right. Get you know a burner, just a burner account, right? You don't need followers. Don't don't send it to your mom. Don't and 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 don't let <laughs> you know. Don't have any of your friends associated with it. Ideally, do it on your burner phone, right? It's what I do. But the you're going to just want to follow the hashtags, and it's going to take you a little while to figure out what it is because they're using their own vernacular. And just start following the retards. Start following opposition. Start following the people whose ideas you don't agree with so that you can get their information. As, as you start following them, click to see who they follow and then click to see who they follow. And you can keep doing that until you wind up somewhere that is someplace that... <laughs> like, the upside down place. Yeah. You know, now, now you're where they hang out. So there you go, guys. Keep up with the current events and uh, go to more than one source to get your information. Uh, like we always say, critically think for yourself. And uh, in the meantime, if you haven't done so yet, make sure you go and follow Jay on the League of Pirates. That's the League of Pirates on Instagram. Are you on Facebook also? Uh, yeah, Facebook. Um, and, and then uh, the website. What seems 
and what's uh, not nah, skip the website for now. I mean, it's the league but there's nothing there. Okay. Um, but you can now start to find me on parlor at L O P dot actual. Yeah. We mentioned that last episode. I still haven't had time to check into that, but, uh, I'm, uh, I'm going to try. Should. I'm going to try. A bunch of leadheads are following us on Parlor now, so we need to get our ears in gear on this one, Marty. Yeah, I got yeah. I got to get my, I got to check into it, see if it's something I want to do. I just, there's so many this social media shit, and I don't want to have any part of it. I never wanted to have any part of this, but the show is what drug me into the social media to begin with. So, anyway, I'll look into it. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, and go get you a Reddit account and look at some movies. <laughs> is, that, is that where all the movies are? Uh, uh, no. Like I, you know, I mean, and then of course, uh, Brian at Occam Defense Solutions. Uh, give them all your your links there, Brian. Yeah, we're mostly on the gram at Occam Defense Solutions. Um, we simul post to Facebook, but don't monitor it. We're at OccamDefense.com and appear monthly on the AK Corner here. And uh, if you're in the market for a defensive firearm, the modern musket, um, we would be very pleased to have your business. The ODS seventy five. <laughs> was named for the year before 1776, which you can think about in the titler cycle there. The spirit and faith and self, you know, self-ownership in order to be free. And that's the core meaning of the 1775 model. Now, uh, I know there's a list, uh, if, if our listeners were to go now and uh, get on that list, about how far out are, are they to get their 1775? We have tr- more than tripled production this what? year so far. Nice. And we are uh, running 12 to 16 weeks back, assuming that uh, there's nothing too freaky on your uh, on your list of desirables. We will be, um, and I shouldn't even say that because we are moving to a no custom options thing um, because we are just it, it, a brief PSA for all you lead ads out there. When you're calling up companies and stuff, business even though it's good in the gun industry, it is really bad. We are more stressed out than we've ever been as an industry because it is becoming incredibly hard to find anything. As you guys know, you can imagine, you know, prices are up and everything, but prices on stuff we want to buy are up. Like we're paying retail on parts right now. And so you're going to, you guys are all going to see prices start really skyrocketing. Um, And the reason is everything's costing more and everything is harder. And yeah, it's just, everything is hard. So, um, yeah, just, just please remember that when you're talking to your customer service person, whether it's us or somewhere else, um, we had a meeting with a major distributor the other day and, uh, they said they had received, it was 2 PM and they had already received 800 phone calls and they're a direct to consumer (laughs) distributor. Um, and, uh, they had hired 50 extra customer service people last month. Oh my gosh. The cost of hiring like that, average cost of training a new employee is fifty dollars to $80,000 in the United States. So things are very expensive and not efficient right now. Nothing is efficient. And so everybody's having Except to Except the stuff. Talking Lead podcast. That's true. So yeah, if you, if you guys, I'm not asking for it for me, but just... You know, you guys out there, if you could give some love when you're calling up a gun company and just tell them that you appreciate them, you're going to make somebody's day. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and speaking of uh, gun companies, make sure you go and show Caltech some love, sponsors of the Talking Lead podcast. Uh, they're just like everybody else, you know. They're struggling to, to get the parts and get the, uh, the product out there, but they're doing it. You know, everybody's at full max capacity right now. Mission First Tactical. 
uh, you know, they've I've checked their website today, and uh, a lot of their shit's back ordered. Uh, there's still a few things that aren't. If you guys want to get one of your talking lead uh, dump trays or tactical wallets, uh, you can still go get those. And I think they can have those ready for you uh, pretty quick. Uh, MissionFirstTactical.com. And then make sure you use that uh, discount code to get 20% off, which I have to find it here real quick what it is. Fuck, where are my discount codes? Here we go. Leadhead. How simple is that? So just use uh, Leadhead. I believe it's all lowercase. You get 20% off at Mission First Tactical. Uh, and then if you listen to the Talking Lead AK Corner and you've seen our post, Factory 47 is going to be giving you Leadheads 10% off. And if you use the code Leadhead there, all lowercase. Uh, I just sent uh, Brian and Jay a little sample of what I'm working on with Factory 47. Did you guys see that yet? Go look at the uh, Skype thing I just sent you. And uh, soon to be Talking Lead AK Corner apparel and swag at Factory 47. We're finalizing the designs, uh, but I can tell you right now that they are beyond my wildest uh, imagination how awesome they are. So, That's They're good dudes. Check back soon to their website. I'll make an announcement when we get those ready uh, for, uh, for purchase, but... The Leadhead discount code is good right now. You can go there and buy any of their products and get 10% off using uh, all lowercase Leadhead. Uh, and then, of course, Occam Defense Solutions. Make sure you go and uh, support them. Get on that list now. You're not going to regret it. That ODS 1775 pistol or rifle. Yeah, we'd like to keep making each one special, but right now, just with the, the overhead of keeping our doors open right now, it's just not a thing. And we care most about getting people life-saving equipment, even though we love making functional art. Oh, yeah. um, we're, we're trying to go for, for uh, well, as Stalin said, quantity has a quality all of its own, and getting, getting life-saving equipment to as many people as we can, as quick as we can, is Makes is total sense, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the 212 training, I uh, made an announcement uh, a couple episodes. We're in works with them on coming to Nashville for an AK-specific class, and I think, Brian, you might be involved with that too. Uh, we've got yeah, Assuming that planes are flying and things aren't burning, um, hey, I'll absolutely be there. Vehicles and, uh, are working, and you can drive if you need to. Uh, yep, yep. <laughs> But uh, we've got dates set. I'll announce those dates as soon as we get the uh, the course outline and everything worked out. But we are going to have that at Royal Range USA there in Nashville. Been working with Art. Great group of people there, Royal Range USA. You come to Nashville, make sure you go visit them and let them know that you're a leadhead. And they will definitely take care of you. Uh, and Fioki Ammo. Uh, you know, good luck getting any ammo from anybody right now, as uh, Jay was saying earlier. But, uh, you know, they're working their hardest to get the ammo out there, too. So check them out. Fioki Ammo, show them the love. Uh, like Brian said, it goes a long way just to, to shoot these companies a little message, how much you appreciate everything that they're doing for uh, our, you know, our, our 2A rights, our constitutional rights, and uh, trying to keep us well-armed, and hopefully we're going to regulate ourselves. But, you know, how that works. Hmm. And uh, I got to give a shout out to LaRue, LaRue Tactical. 
they sent me some uh, some parts not too long ago to build a 6.5 Grindle and uh, stupid me misplaced some of the screws and stuff and they were great in getting those replacement screws to me uh, lickety split so to the gang at LaRue Tactical I greatly appreciate that I got it built I just showed the guys a picture of it uh, held it up to the camera earlier uh, I'll get some pictures and post those on social media here in the next few days but it turned out really good but I didn't do the 6.5 Grindle build because you all know that I did the LEO takedown system with the 6.5 Grindle barrel, 5.56, and the 300 blackout. That's a pretty awesome system too if you haven't checked them out. They also have a discount at LEO takedown with Talking Lead, and I believe that's Lead Head also. And you can get 10% off at uh, LEO takedown. So there you go, Lead Heads. Uh, hope everything... Uh, here was clear as mud. If it wasn't, you can shoot me an email, talkinglead at gmail.com, and I'll forward that to Brian or Jay to answer your question because I'm just like you guys. I'm a student you know, when it comes to this stuff, and I'm learning. Uh, so, again, big thanks to Brian and Jay for taking the time, and uh, we've got more to come from them. We've got a, a whole – I think we're going to make this a, a regular thing, right, guys? Yeah, if, if people want it and, you know, feeding back questions that we can – you know, clear up at the beginning of the next episode, that actually be a really cool way to tie stuff together. So, yeah, you know, cover, cover the stuff that was cloudy. Yeah, there you go. So, uh, until then, talkingletgmail.com, shoot me your jack wagons, your Leadhead Brigade heroes, uh, and then any special guests you'd like us to have on the show. AK Corner Season 3 is in the works. Uh, as Brian said, we're going to continue that. And uh, that'll probably be the first of the year before we continue season three. Just give a little break and uh, get this swag and stuff going, too, that we've got taken out with Factory 47. But until then, Leadheads, as always, keep your loved ones close. And your ODS 1775 closer. Any fate but submission. Epstein didn't kill himself. (laughs) (laughs) Always a pleasure to porch sit with you, man. (laughs) 